Yes, this Christmas, most of us have been forced to really to keep things simple. And so this message really is going to be pretty simple too. We're going to look at uh, one main passage of scripture here. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 9 and, and go through verse 13. And I want to draw out kind of one important truth from this passage that especially has to do with Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, the purpose of Christmas, why Christ came. And I want to summarize it in one sentence. It'll be a short sentence. And then this message, we're going to walk through that sentence that I'm going to put on the screen. And we're going to do that. We'll get to the end. I'll say Merry Christmas. And we'll conclude and worship Jesus Christ this week. So, if you have scripture with me, so you can take a look at this. Matthew chapter 9. You may think, well, this is chapter 9. Wouldn't you want to go to the beginning of uh, Matthew, Pastor? Well, we'll hit that a little bit later, but you'll see this is definitely about Christmas. So, Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. As says many tax collectors and sinners, the tax collectors were considered just notorious sinners by their people. They had betrayed uh, the, the Hebrew people uh, to side with Rome and, and take their taxes and sometimes gouging them with how much was, was taken. People despised these, these tax collectors. And who knows who these other you know, sinners were. And here Jesus is reclining with them and having a meal with them. So verse 11 shows us what happens when the, when the righteous, religious people saw this. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he, Jesus, said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And it's this very last part of this that I want to focus on, the statement where Jesus said, For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. We're going to unpack that statement here. We're going to think about what this means. And I'm going to summarize this in, in the one kind of main point as we walk through this. And I think if we keep that verse in mind, Jesus, Jesus, this is Jesus saying, I came not to call righteous but sinners. I think a true statement based on that is this. Christ came to call sinners. I think every word of that is true. Every word of that is biblical. Every word of that we've seen drawn from what Jesus just said there and, and the rest of Scripture as well. So, as I said, we're going to take our time. We're going to walk through this. And each of the main words, and I want to think about what is what does this mean? If we say Christ came to call sinners, and hopefully have this this sink into us. So this is a Christmas, definitely a Christmas uh, sermon. Something that Jesus said, Christ came. That is what Christmas is about, and so about Christ coming into this world. 
So if we have a statement from Jesus' own lips and recorded in inspired scripture uh, telling us why he came, well, we can know at least one thing. This is what Christmas is about. And also, too, here it says that uh, Jesus came to call sinners. We've been in this series on uh, wor- your work and callings. We've been talking about this. And so, really, this is a Christmas sermon. This is also uh, ties in with this series that we've been doing on the callings that God has on us and on our lives. So, first, we think through this. If you're filling out your outline, you're going to find this a pretty easy one to uh, guess the fill-in-the-blanks ahead of time. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. Not a lot of suspense here on that this morning. So, first, I want to fir- focus on first point that Christ, Christ, Jesus Christ, he is the one who came to call sinners. And to think what this means, that when we talk about this, we're, we're not just talking about any uh, cute little baby that was born. And yes, anytime a, a baby comes into this world, we can describe it in a sense as a, as a miracle, as a wonderful thing. But this is, this is beyond that. This is a, a literal uh, miracle, a supernatural event that happened both how it happened and also who it is that came into this world. Because we have to recognize and realize who Jesus Christ really is. That when we say this, this is that Christ came into the world, this is not just a little baby, but the almighty Son of God, the one that created this universe. That this is the one, the, the pre-existent one, the baby that uh, this person existed before becoming a baby. That is not true for any of us. Our existence started at a certain point uh, when we were conceived in our, in our mother's womb. But the Son of God existed before that and, in fact, had no beginning because being God, being a member of the Trinity, God the Son, he has always existed. And so when we think about this, we have to not just think about uh, little baby Jesus lying in a manger. People like that idea. They can, even people that don't go to church often, that don't uh, worship Jesus, a lot of times they're comfortable with the idea of baby Jesus lying in a manger. We like that. Babies, babies are cute, and they're, they're little, they're, they seem uh, you know, harmless, and there's a reason why people like cute, little, innocent-looking things. There's a reason right now why everyone loves Baby Yoda, okay? I think many of you know what I'm talking about. That people love because he's, he's little and he's cute. But I'll tell you this, if your view of Jesus Christ is not much different than your view of Baby Yoda, there's a big problem. There is a big misunderstanding that you have. You know, people don't have a problem with baby Jesus because babies really don't make demands on us. Now, Mary, okay, babies make a lot of demands on, on Mary and Joseph and especially Mary. But, but uh, you know, this morning uh, when we have, you know, nursery and we have, uh, you know, children in there, um, other people's kids, they're not going to bother me. You know, they're not getting in my business. They're not telling me what to do. They're not, the one, they're not going to be sending me, you know, emails or uh, and they're not going to be doing that to you, you know, either. So a baby might make demands on its own parents, but for everyone else, they don't really get in your business. And so a lot of times I think people like just keeping the idea of Jesus as just baby Jesus because, yeah, he doesn't make too many demands upon your life. He doesn't tell you to do things that are different than what you'd want to do anyways. But that's not 
just who he is. He came down and became a real baby for a reason, but he didn't stay that way. And he wasn't that beforehand. He was the almighty son of God. And if that's who he is, then he has authority, then he has uh, the right to, to, to command us, the right to let us know how we ought to live because he is the one that is the king and the creator. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 17, describes Christ like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of, or could be translated over, all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, that is what is true of the baby in the manger. Because not just the baby in the manger, but the eternal, almighty Son of God. As one, he came, he was the Christ. I mean, that is the, the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word Messiah. He is the one that since uh, the beginning had been prophesied that, that he was coming. He was going to come into this world and he would, he would be a king. He would be the one that would, would suffer to save us. He would, all these things that were true in all these Old Testament prophecies finally coming uh, to pass in this one that was to be born. So as we continue to think about this and the identity of Christ and who he is, uh, that this is the, 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 the Son of God, that this is the one that is the, the eternal one, um, I think we can look at another uh, passage. You know, it, it, in Matthew 9, notice that was a calling of Matthew. So he's called out, he's a tax collector, he's a sinner, and he gets called to follow Jesus. And, and he did, and he came and he followed Jesus. And eventually, uh, he became the one that recorded these truths uh, that we call the Gospel of Matthew, including uh, this account of the birth of Christ from the beginning of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Let me read to you this. This is Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, okay, so they were engaged, before they came together um, intimately as husband and wife, because they, they weren't married yet, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, which is not a normal thing to have happen. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, assuming that she had been with, with another human being, because that's how, where babies usually come from. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Which, by the way, we'll come back to that. He will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now it says there, behold, the, the virgin shall conceive. This is uh, predicted long ago by the prophet Isaiah. And it's being repeated here that Mary uh, had not known a man. Jesus did not come into this world through the normal way that babies 
come about. And some people will look at this and say, oh, these ignorant people 2,000 years ago, they just didn't understand how this worked. I'll tell you, uh, 2,000 years ago, they still understood where babies come from. Okay, they still understood the mechanics of this and what has to happen for a baby to come to this world. And actually, looking around uh, in the world today, I think maybe they understood it a little bit better than many people do today. So they knew that this was not a normal thing. They understood the point of this. This is a, a miracle. This is something that God had to do to make this happen because it doesn't normally happen this way. And if you think that this is a difficult miracle for God to do, just realize it's only half as uh, difficult as God making Adam in the first place. Okay, Adam didn't have any parents. Okay, so this is uh, no big deal if God Almighty wants to do this. So the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we talk about Christ came to save sinners. This is, this is the Son of God. This is the one who is the, the God-man who came into this world. So Emmanuel, God with us. So emphasis on God, but now also emphasis on with us. So Christ, we've talked about that. Christ came to save sinners. Second point, let's look at that second word. Let's think about this and what this means. That Christ came to save sinners. That this is the one who, he came, he came into this world. This week, a lot of people are going to be getting together with family, kind of. How many of you, at some point in this week, will be getting together with family uh, at one point on Zoom or on FaceTime or something like that? Okay. So how many, you would be doing that, and this year, I think especially a lot of people are going to be doing that more than other times. Other people will still be getting together. Uh, but, and it can be a great thing to have. If you have family that is uh, dispersed and far around, it's nice to have that little Zoom call for a while. If you had to pick, if you had to pick between actually having uh, your family, you know, your kids or grandma and grandpa or whoever, actually spending Christmas with them in person, or just a nice Zoom call, you know, ask yourself, which would you really pick? Now, depending on your relatives, that may make a difference. Uh, but in the best case scenario, uh, probably no one is here saying, you know, I'd much rather just have that Zoom call, you know, and <laughs> for 20 minutes or that is just so much better than actually spending lots of time with them in a, in a meal. Nobody thinks that. I know we try to pretend that Zoom and all these things are just as good. Uh, we know they're not. Okay, and we're sick of Zoom. We're sick of all these things. They they can be nice in their in their way, but it's just it's not the same thing. I've gotten ads about different conferences trying me you know hyped up to go to this conference and hear these things, and then you read on, and then oh it's a Zoom conference. No thank you. Here's the thing: when we talk about Christ coming into this world and what He did, Christ when He came. This was not a Zoom call into this world. But he came, he literally came to dwell with us in the flesh. That is what the incarnation really was. Uh, he, he, he literally took on flesh. He literally came in. He didn't just appear. This wasn't a, a hologram. This wasn't uh, just some kind of a ghostly manifestation. 
but he actually came in the flesh into, into our world. Now, even just a Zoom call from God would be a great thing. I mean, if you could connect with God and he could just give you any uh, connection with him, any revelation, any word to you, hey, that would be fantastic. That would be, that would be awesome. And for the longest time, I mean, that's we had. We didn't have Christ coming into this world. Hebrews 1 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So he spoke, and there was an in-between way. It wasn't as direct. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So once Christ came in this world, this was a, this was a new thing. This was a new way of, of God. He wasn't just appearing or appearing like it is a burning bush, which wasn't really him. He actually came and actually became a, a human being. That's the whole point of him becoming uh, conceived in the virgin's womb and being born as this infant. He had a, a legit, real human physical body. In John 1.14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when it talks about that, it's not talking about the Word is in the, the Bible. You're talking about the Word is, is the Son of God, is the, one, the person that we know as, as Jesus Christ. I think it calls him the word because words communicate. Words reveal. And so in this way, God is revealing to us by him actually becoming a human and, and walking among us, becoming flesh. So this is what we talk about when we talk about the incarnation, that Jesus, uh, without stopping to be fully God, he always has been fully God, and he always is and always will be, but he added to himself everything that's required for him to be a complete human being, to be completely and thoroughly human. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, It's a word that's used for pitching your tent among us. He he actually lived with us for for that time being that he was on earth. So the incarnation, Jesus became a 100% authentic human being without ceasing to be 100% authentically God. It wasn't just an appearance, not a phantom or a hologram. And he, when he became a real human being, he became the, the God-man. Uh, this means that when he was a baby, he was, he was a real baby. And I wonder some of these things, you know, what was baby Jesus like? And, uh, you know, did, did he ever uh, throw up on Mary? Well, what was it like to raise baby Jesus? And I think there was normal baby things because he was a real legit uh, baby. We sing, you know, uh, no crying he makes. Of course he cried. He was, a, he was a baby. He was a real human being. The incarnation had to be real. Jesus had to become a real human being authentically for the mission that he was called to do. Everything that he was called to do as prophet, priest, and king, he needed to be an authentic human being, to be the God-man, fully God and fully human. So, so far, we've seen Christ is the one Christ came. He came into this world. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's, that's what it's about. And next, he came for the purpose. We're going to skip the word to, but it shows us the purpose here. He came to, to call. And right now, we'll, we'll leave you in suspense who he came to call. But just the fact that he did come to, to call us. And you think of what calling is. 
it is one person, uh, you know, speaking and summoning and calling to another. A real call comes from outside of us. It's from someone else. And we need to, to hear that call. We need to listen to that call and have it, have it change us. Uh, at home, my family has gotten to watching reruns of Survivor. And on that, they, you know, these people are tra- uh, on this island or uh, some tropical place, and they have different teams, and they have different events. And sometimes one of the events that they do is they have maybe a, a big maze or an obstacle course, and they have a few different teams, and they'll blindfold one player, and then uh, they'll have somebody uh, that is kind of a caller, you know, yelling out to them to, to how to make it through the maze. And, of course, you have lots of people yelling, uh, different teammates yelling. The other team's uh, callers are, are calling to them. And the, the way for them to really make it through this, because they're blindfolded, is, is they have to pick out, without being able to see, the one voice that is actually telling them what to do. There's, one, there's a lot of noise, but there's, there's one person calling that they really need to listen to. And that is exactly what it's like for us. Think of how many voices we have, we have calling to us humans, commercials, uh, politicians, uh, all these people with different agendas saying, come here, go there, do this, do that. And so much depends on us listening and hearing the one voice that really matters and who's really calling to us. You're going to hear many calls in life, but listen to the one that really matters. But here's the thing. That is important. That is incredibly important. As we think about the series and calling, we, we we don't miss that. But Jesus' calling here wasn't just about shouting instructions. We shouldn't think that Jesus just came into this world just to tell us how we can get our act right and, and do the right things and obey and be, be good people and, and do what we ought to do. So when we talk about Jesus came to call sinners, it's not just to instruct. That's part of it. It is. But even more, it's to summon us to himself. He's calling you, not just you know, someone blasting instructions at you, do this, do that, do this, but he's, he's calling you into a relationship with himself. He's calling you to, to him so that you can know him, that you can love him, that you can have him as, as your savior and lord and king and treasure. So it's not just him coming as a teacher, although he was. And notice some people think of him just as a teacher, and sometimes then they say, you know, I like Jesus' teachings. You know, he taught people to, to love their neighbor and to help the poor, and he did. And other times people look at other verses and they say, well, you know, Jesus is a teacher and I hate his teachings because he says that some things that I do are sin, and that makes me feel bad, and I don't like that. And he claims to be the, the only way to heaven, that's pretty narrow-minded of Jesus. So sometimes even when people think of him as teacher, they like to pick and choose, and they like it or don't like it, depending on what they're thinking of. He did come as a teacher. That is part of who he is, but that wasn't the whole thing. Jesus came to call. And as you said, a call is always from outside of you. It's not just a feeling that you have in your heart. It's from somebody calling to you. He might speak to you in and through your heart. He speaks to you also through your ears as you're hearing the word of God proclaimed and through your eyes as you're reading the word of God. But this is something from, from outside of you. And this call, it was a call to follow, for you to follow him, 
like Matthew to be his disciple. He said to Matthew, come and, and follow me. And in the series that we've been doing on our, our different callings, remember, this is, Christian, this is your ultimate calling. You may have other callings to, in the workplace and in your family and uh, as, as citizens and in the church, all these different things that God is calling you to do. But we have to remember to always get it right that our ultimate calling is to follow Jesus Christ in all things. And I hope you're here next week we, and you're able to uh, watch the message. Pastor Nick is going to wrap up uh, this uh, calling series with some really, really practical things on how our one calling to follow Christ governs all our other callings and, and how to hear those things and how to, to make sense and put those things together. But just remember, God is calling us, one, to, to follow him, and he's also calling us to, to be saved. Christ came to save. I mean, we could look at other verses that straight out say where Jesus said, I came to save. Uh, but let's right now not miss that Jesus also came to call. And he came to call us into relationship with himself, to life. That's where true life is found. If you find yourself going through uh, life, going through you know, this year, you know, they found that the one group of people that haven't had this big decline in mental health are people that are, uh, that are worshiping every week. And it corresponds to the fact that when we're cut off from God, we're cut off from, from real life. But when you trust Jesus Christ and he, you are saved, you're reconciled to him, you're, you're plugged back into life, you're plugged back into your, your creator, the one that made you, the one that gives you life and sustains you every day. We're called to relationship with him, not to, to follow at a, at a far distance, uh, but closely with him. It's important to hear that call and respond when we need to respond. In college, uh, uh, after I had my, my first date with Hope, uh, you know, the date, eh, wasn't, it was kind of so-so. I didn't really know where this was going to go. I thought, well, I had my chance and probably kind of blew it. We'll see, but probably blew it. Uh, I thought this is going to go nowhere. And all of a sudden, I came back to my, my dorm room, and there was a message on, on, on the phone. And so I listened to it, and it was Hope. And she had called and left a message when I, when I wasn't there. And she said, hey, I'm gonna, I want to go rollerblading. Uh, it was the 90s, okay? Uh, <laughs> so rollerblading, that also explains, by the way, why when I talk about the, you're like, why is this iPhone stuck to the wall? Okay, yeah, it was the 90s. And back then, iPhones were stuck to the wall. And they weren't iPhones. Uh, you, you have, have an older person explain it to you. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I get back in, and not knowing that she had called, and she said, I'm going I'm to, uh, <clears throat> I'll wait in the lobby for 10 minutes, and then I'm just going to go. If you want to come rollerblade with me, hey, come down and come rollerblading. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I looked at the clock and realized that was 15 minutes ago. Oh no! I've I've missed my chance. I've I've, I've missed uh, what could happen. So I quick you know race down there, and and she's you know still there, and the rest is history. Uh, <clears throat> my point of that is you know if you have this call, don't miss the call that matters most. Uh, the call that as much as making that call uh, changed my life completely from then on out. Uh, resulted one day in my four children coming into existence and just everything being different. The call even more important is the call that God is making to you 
for you to come to him, for you to receive him as Lord and Savior, to be reconciled to God through Jesus that came for you on Christmas. This invitation, it's open to you for a new life. And may you receive the type of call that, that sinks its hooks into your heart and pulls you to him. But of course, uh, this is if you qualify, okay? You have this call, it's an invitation, but do you qualify? Maybe, maybe you don't qualify. And so I want to, that'll be our last point here. I want you to help you to realize if you do qualify or not, our last point to focus on. Christ came to call, but who did he come to call? He came to call sinners. Jesus had said, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. Matthew, despised tax collector, all these other sinners, uh, in scripture, prostitutes, and all these people that society said, you know, obviously a good holy God is going to want nothing to do with these people. Christ said, I came to, to call the sinners. So do you qualify for this call? Well, only sinners need to respond to this because only sinners are the ones that really qualify for this. So if you think you're perfect, if you think that, that you have no sin in your life or in your heart and that you just, you're just golden on your own, well, I guess you don't need this call. And I guess Christ didn't come for you because he came to, to call the sinners. And you know, there are people who go to church who are self-righteous. And somehow they go to church and they hear things being taught and we even describe the law of God. Here's God's commands. And we should realize as we look at that, huh, I don't measure up to these things. Uh, I fall short of this. Uh, I think that means I'm a sinner, and it does. I mean, that's the purpose of God's law. The first purpose is we look at it and we realize we do fall short. We do fail. We do need a sinner. And we have straight-out verses that tell us things like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet there are still people that come to churches, even where some churches don't ever tell you you're a sinner because you might not like that and you might not come back. But even churches where they say it, sometimes it just bounces off and they don't get it. And they feel like, well, I'm just a, I'm a good person. You know, I'm not like those bad people out there. And you know what? Until you realize, until it sinks home that you're a sinner and it, and that sin is a bad thing, you're not going to realize that Jesus came to save you. To call him Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. So we have to not be these self-righteous people. There are also people who never go to church who are self-righteous too. Don't just think, well, everyone, they're just staying away because they realize that they're sinners. People have a great way of justifying themselves. And thinking, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. And, you know, it's actually the Christians. They're, they're, the, they're the terrible people. They're so judgmental. And, but I'm really good, and I'm never judgmental. I do all the right things, and I'm into all the right causes. And I post the right things on Facebook. And uh, everyone has a way of justifying themselves. But Jesus came for those that don't justify themselves. Jesus came for those that realize the truth about themselves, that we fall short of the glory of God, that we're sinners. And to be a sinner is to be a rebel against God. That's what it is. And that's what makes it a big deal. And Christ came to call sinners, but what did he come to call them to do? I want to clarify this because you might still think, well, it just means he came to call sinners to clean up your act, 
That's what you need to do, you miserable sinners. I came to tell you that everything you're doing is wrong. You better clean up your act. That, let me just say, Christ didn't come to tell sinners to clean up their ways so that he could love them. Okay? God already loves you. He loves you while you were yet a sinner. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible does still talk about repentance. We can't leave that out. In fact, in Luke 5, 32, in there, it specifically mentions it. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. But don't think of this as meaning that you have to clean up your act before God will love you. Instead, the repentance here, maybe a better way to think about it, is like a blind man walking towards a cliff, about to go off the cliff, and someone out of love saying, turn around, come to me, hear hear my voice, turn around, you are walking in a way that's going to lead to your your doom. I'm here to, to, to save you, come to me. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. And he loved you before you started cleaning up your act, and you're not going to have your act totally cleaned up in this life. And if you go to heaven and make it there, it's going to be because of what Jesus did in your place, not because you cleaned up your act. He so wants us to turn away from our rebellion because it's destructive. It's destructive to you and to people around you and your relationship with the God that made you, who is the one that is the source of your life. But you're never going to be saved because you cleaned up your act. Salvation is by grace through faith. Grace alone through faith alone. It's a gift from God. And we receive it just by trusting in him. And I pray that you would. Jesus calls you to come to him. Some refuse. John 5.40, Jesus said, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. If you come to him, if you respond in faith, trust him as your Lord and Savior, you have life. Eternal life with him. Forgiveness. Eternal life that starts now and goes on to eternity. But Jesus says, if you refuse to come, then you're refusing the life that he offers. And we remain in our rebellion and in our sin. We keep walking towards the cliff that we fall off into an eternity of judgment instead. But listen to these voices, or these verses in Scripture about those that do respond to the call. And think of what this means and what Christ offers you. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6.37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Christ didn't come just to call sinners. He did. But the way that he came to call us to salvation was also to come to die for sinners. You know, this week, many people will be gathering around a Christmas tree, and if you haven't decorated already, I'm sure you, you have or you will. But as you think about this, to realize that Christ came and we celebrate with the Christmas tree, But there's also the Good Friday tree, which is ultimately why he came. 
You think of a Good Friday tree, what is that? Well, we got a replica of one right behind me. And that's what it is. Jesus Christ, the one that knew no sin, became a curse for us. Cursed is the one that is hung on a tree, Scripture says. And that's what the cross is. It's a, it's a tree. I mean, it's a cut-down tree. So is your Christmas tree, by the way. But Jesus came on Christmas so that he could be put to death for you and I on that tree on Good Friday. Jesus came to call sinners. So believe this. Have a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and thank you. We think about the meaning of Christmas and the goodness of it and what it is all about. It is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Eternal One, the one that all things are made by him and and through him and for him, that he came for us, sinners, rebels, and that he came and died on the cross for us after living his perfect life as the only human being to live a perfect life and to die in our place. All these things as a substitute for all those that would put their faith in him. Thank you for calling us. We didn't deserve your call. We don't deserve your call. But we thank you that you loved us and you called us anyways. And for all that have responded to your call already, help us to live for you, to follow you each day, and to focus on you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray for anyone hearing this in person or online who has not yet turned to you, who has not yet responded to this call. God, I pray that your call would sink into their hearts with hooks and pull them to you. And that by turning and with faith in you, that they would be saved as well. Christ came to save sinners like us. All praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.